Mike, how's it going? It's going great, Mark. Thanks. How about yourself? Going very well. Going very well. You know, Mike, uh, I'm so glad we have you on today. One of the things that that you've done is accountsrecovery.net. You have this newsletter and it is one of the best newsletters I've ever read in the collection space or outside of it. And I'm curious, could you tell us a little bit about how you came up with it and how you make sure you stay on top of the good stuff that's coming out every day? Sure. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, the Daily Digest, which is, the, I think, the, the newsletter you're referring to that I send out every morning, uh, that got its start probably about four or five years ago. Um, I was, uh, re- I'm a big fan of a, of a sports blog out there called The Big Lead, and The Big Lead every morning at eight o'clock puts out what they call the Roundup. The roundup is just a few links to the sort of important sports stories of the day, you know, some, some, some links to some sort of other sort of popular news or pop culture or interesting links, and then a couple of videos. And I was looking for something to kind of send out. And because there were some other, uh, you know, ACA sends that out, it's roundup every morning, Inside Arm had its daily news newsletter that it would send out. And I was looking for something to send out, but just sort of over and above what was out there already. So you know, I looked at what the big lead was doing and I go to it every morning. Every morning, you know, it's one of the things I do. So I, you know, I look, I, I took it, you know, I took the idea and I applied it to, to the, you know, to what I was doing in the collection space and started sending it out. Um, you know, originally it was just links to collections articles. Uh, and then I decided, you know what, why just link to somebody else when I can try and sort of get the traffic on my own and sort of try and digest things and maybe provide a little bit more of perspective. So I started writing the content on my, I started writing articles on my own based on what I was seeing and reading every morning and sort of the news of the day. Uh, and that's kind of where we are now. So every day I try and publish four or five articles in the morning. And then that is sort of the, the content that makes up the bulk of the daily digest every morning. And how do I stay on top of that? Um, you know, I can tell you I have 114 tabs every morning that I load up, that I search through uh, between Google News alerts and uh, attorneys general websites and circuit courts and appellate court decisions and, you know, everything that I've just kind of every now and then I, I add another one. Usually I add, I don't subtract any anymore, but I just kind of add new bookmarks every now and then when I see something that might be of interest. And, you know, I, I just sort of go through that every day and I try and find three or four things that I think might be of interest and relevance to to my audience. Wow. Four articles every day, 114 tabs. How do you decide what you think is is a worthwhile trend to be following and sharing with with your audience? And how do you decide what what might not make that standard? Well, when we're looking at trends, you know, it, it, you know, I, the, as you know, data is, you know, a, a, a great objective tool. So I've, I've got four, I've got five or six years now of, of data where I can look at what, what articles, what type of content are the ones that get the most traffic, the ones that people want to read, the ones that people do read every day. And that's where I t- sort of tend to steer my coverage. And you know, that, that's always been the, you know, for, for content, that's always been the compliance. You know, yeah. people want to know uh, court cases, court rulings, you know, settlements, things like that. So anytime you sort of see uh, somebody outside 
of the industry write about a ruling, you know, if it's Bloomberg or Reuters or something like that, then you know it's kind of, you know, important, definitely worth covering, uh, just sort of over and above what I would find on my own. So you just kind of, you know, I'd like to say that there's some, you know, there's certainly some science to it, but after doing this for as many days as I've done it, you know, I, I don't want to, it's not, it's going to sound self-serving, but you just kind of develop a sense for what you think is going to be interesting or not. So, you know, you're scrolling through the news, you're scrolling through the alerts, you're scrolling through the, the sites and, you know, your eye sort of catches something and then you read the article and that's, you know, okay, that's going to be something like, you know, for example, a new, you know, a, a state legislature introduces a new bill or a new bill becomes a law, something you're going to want to write about. Yeah. Court case ruling, something you're going to want to write about. Uh, collection agency expanding, you know, things like that, things you're going to want to write about. So um, I don't want to say that there, there's a little bit of science and a little bit of art to it. Sure, sure. It, it starts with that data analysis. And then um, after looking at the analysis again and again, you, you develop this this intuition. Um, sure. One of the things that, that I often say is that um, intuition is the original AI. <laughs> It's that understanding of the patterns that you, you see around you and putting it together and then just following uh, whatever that pattern, you know, is pointed to. Uh, I mean, absolutely. You know, like I, I do, I did 130 something webinars last year. So you can kind of also, it also sort of applies there. You can see which ones people register for and which ones don't. Like I've been doing the webinars for a number of years now. And despite how important I think they are, I've learned people don't care about data breaches. You know, you want to write cybersecurity data, uh, do a webinar about cybersecurity or data breaches. It's not going to get a ton of people to register. And I just, I don't know whether it's people just don't think it's not going to apply to them or it's ever going to happen to them or what, but you know, it's just sort of like you know, a, a lesson that data has taught me. doesn't mean right. I'm going to stop doing that, but I do know now going in when I do one, not to expect a huge turnout. Got it. So then let's talk about, the hottest topics in the collection space. When you look at, you know, the data that you have from your newsletter and from webinar attendance, if you could boil it down to maybe the one, two, or, or three things that that you notice folks are interested in right now, you know, what do you think those things are? Sure. Uh, I mean, obviously, the you know the, the the debt collection rule from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is, is certainly a big thing right now. Uh, you know, since it came out in October, people are sort of trying to wrap their head around what they have to do, what they can do, what they can't do, whether they should do it now, whether they should wait. So that's obviously something that, that that's gotten a lot of attention. And I think rightfully so. Uh, what's going to happen uh, when, you know, President-elect Biden comes into office next week or, or on January 20th and how that's going to impact the arm industry? Uh, for better or worse is also something I think that, you know, a lot of people are concerned about. Is it going to mean changes at the CFPB? And if that's so, is there going to be changes to the debt collection rules? So there's a whole sort of series of dominoes that could fall uh, depending on how things go once, you know, once the new president takes office. So I think those are, you know, sort of two of the, you know, two important areas um, sort of operationally and compliance and you know, the other thing that you're looking at that I'm that I'm trying to push is that there is a there is an evolution going on of technology 
in this industry that I think a lot of people are paying attention to, but maybe not enough people are paying attention to or focused on. You know, I can remember doing a, a, a webinar a few months ago and I had an agency owner who said, you know, we're not collection companies anymore. We're technology companies, hmm. you know, and that's, you know, that's the new mindset that I think people have to have to have and that technology is a, is a huge differentiator. Uh, it allows them to be, you know, agencies to be more efficient. It allows them to be more productive. It allows them to recover more. Um, and I think some people are slowly catching on, you know, definitely at the front end of that. But I do think that, you know, this industry still needs to kind of push forward with it, with its, you know, interest and adoption of technology. Right. And I'm, I'm curious, do you think that the CFPB is driving that and people are adopting technology because they're trying to adapt to the new rules? Do you think that consumer trends are responsible for that push of technology? Or is there you know, some economic force in the collection space right now that is pushing people um, toward pushing agencies toward uh, using technology to improve their collections, whereas previously, um, you know, it might have been, uh, you know, securing more placements from their network or, or, or something like that. Sure. Uh, I definitely think it's more the first two. Uh, certainly the, the, the debt collection rule from the CAPB has, has created guardrails for the industry to sort of when it comes to things like text messaging and email that they know what they can and can't do now, which is something they haven't had before. Uh, they've had to rely on sort of court case rulings or things like that, or other enforcement actions, sort of figure out what is and isn't allowed. Uh, I definitely think that's part of it. Um, I do think that consumers are driving this, you know, every, you know, consumers, the data is there, but, you know, which communication channels computer, or, sorry, consumers prefer. And, you know, every time you talk to someone, nobody answers the phone anymore. So, I think that's driving it. And then I also think that there's a dynamic where the, the creditor clients are starting to sort of push mm. the technology because they're they're using the technology with the consumers. And you know, these collection agencies are, are, are intended to be sort of an extension of their brand, that, that that creditor's brand. So I think that they also want to sort of be able to make sure that consumers can continue to communicate with that collection agency collecting on behalf of that creditor in the same way they can talk to the creditor. Right. Right. So it, there's the push from the CFPB, there's you know, the change in consumer preferences. And then there's also the, the pull from the client side about how they know their consumers want to be interacted with and you know, the, the sort of way they want to portray themselves. Could you give a little bit of background on uh, the recent CFPB ruling and uh, you know, what you think that might mean for the collection space uh, next year? Sure. Um, the, the CFPB came out with, uh, with two parts of its debt collection rule. The first one was in October. The second one was in December. Uh, the first part largely, or not largely, but the first part covered a, a, a number of different areas. Uh, of most importance to the industry was uh, the use of text messaging, the use of email in collecting, uh, it also provided something that it's, that it's calling it's li a limited content message, which is a voicemail that can be left on consumers, uh, on consumers' phones, where it doesn't count as a communication under the, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. So you don't have to necessarily worry about violating that law when you're leaving a voicemail now. So that's something that uh, a lot of agencies have been paying attention to. And then when it came out with the second part of the debt collection rule, 
Uh, it covered what's what's called time bar debt, debt where the statute of limitations has expired, meaning that the, the, the collector, the creditor is not able to sue, uh, file a lawsuit to collect on that debt anymore. It also uh, tackled something called uh, debt parking, where a uh, collector, creditor reports a negative item on an individual's credit report, but doesn't notify that individual right away. So they're going to do away with that. And then the final thing was what's called the model validation notice, which is a, a template letter that can be sent out and can be used uh, to try and limit the number of lawsuits that are filed against collection agencies for allegedly violating different aspects of the FDCPA when they send collection letters. Right. So a survey that you recently released, Mike, where uh, you surveyed different folks in uh, the ARM industry mm-hmm. and you know asked them you know what they thought about the rule and uh, how well it supported the health industry, uh, the, the health of the industry, and how well it didn't. Uh, what were folks' you know reactions uh, to the rule, and and do you think that that they're right? Ah. Hmm. Uh... So uh, the first part's the easy part to that question. Um, you know, some interesting data that came out of the, the survey, uh, it actually, you know, allows me to sort of cover something I forgot to mention when, we, when I was talking about the rule and that, and that the, call, uh, the rule establishes limits on the number of times a collector can, con- can uh, attempt to communicate with an individual and the number of conversations it can have, uh, what it calls call caps or call frequency uh, limits. And, that was by far the most popular response when at, when collection when you know the survey participants were asked what they were most concerned with was call caps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it was nearly twice as po- twice as popular a concern uh, as disputes and uh, requests for original creditor information and sending required disclosures. So definitely something that's keeping collection agency owners and executives up is how they're going to manage. In, an, in a time when they're going to have to make far fewer calls uh, to try and get in touch with people. Uh, you know, when asked how much of a burden it's going to be to implement measures, to implement measures needed to comply, only 20% of the respondents said it was, you know, going to be a little, uh, a little bit of a burden. The other 80% said it was going to be some or a lot. So clearly they're thinking that there's going to be a, a fair amount of work that's going to have to go into it, which, you know, it's a good thing they've got another 11 months to get it all done. Uh, and the other interesting data point was uh, that I think just about three quarters of the respondents think the rule is going to go into effect on November 30th as originally planned, but only 38% think that it's going to go into effect as is. So I think there's a lot of people out there that think that the rule is going to be amended or changed during the, you know, the time from now till it goes into effect November 30th, either through some new director at the CFPB or some other, uh, some other means. Yeah. yeah. It, one of the things I thought was so interesting is that before the ruling came out, um, folks were saying that they really wanted clarity from the PB. Um, things about texting, you know, um, can you even do it? And, mm-hmm. you know, we had this, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, pretty clear that you can as long as you do, as long as you'd offer an opt out. And I'm sure there's other you know pieces to it, but that you can. And then, you know, there was a question about, you know, how do you uh, collect from deceased consumers? Well, they clarify that, you know, you can, uh, you know, continue to work with the estate. Um, so do you think that folks got the clarity that they were wanted, that they wanted? And is clarity really what they wanted? 
I do think clarity is what they wanted. Uh, yeah. uh, if you, know, you go back four or five years, the conversations that I was having with 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 with, with people in the industry, and the 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 consensus was: you tell us what we can do, tell us what rule we have to follow, and we'll follow it. Whatever it yeah. is, hard, soft, easy, not easy. Just tell us what the rules are. And I think you know, for a lot of the you know a lot of these things, especially things like text messaging and email. Where there hasn't really necessarily been clear rules, now there has. You know, everybody jokes about the, the you know the FDCPA, which was enacted in the late 1970s, and how it mentions telegrams, how it mentions collect phone calls and things like that. And you know, it does. And the, the, that law hasn't been updated in, in the last 40 years, and, and desperately needed to. So uh, I think now that there there are some rules out there that you know, like I said, provide some sort of guardrails and some some boundaries for collection collection agencies collection agencies to know what they can and can't do i think that's all they're looking for yeah how how crazy is it that we've gone from telegrams to letters to phone calls now to text messages in in such a a short period of time in order to to be collecting these balances i know it, it just makes you wonder what the next 5 10 15 years are and that's something that you know, we're trying, I'm, you know, it's something I'm trying to help um, sort of, you know, kind of pull that vision into focus a little bit and, 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 and talk to talk to people in the industry about where that, you know, where it's going instead of just sort of getting caught up on text messaging and, right. and emails, because, you know, really like how long have you and I been sending text messages just generally with our friends and family and whatever, it's been years. So the industry is finally kind of catching up to that, but what's next so they you know the next time that there's that next evolution in communication whatever it is that they're not four and five years behind that as well where do you see things going in collections you know i knew that that's where the question was gonna go <laughs> i had to I had to and i've been you know trying to put my brain into overdrive to to, to think of the, of something and you know that i don't to be honest right now i don't know uh, I do think that there is a lot of a lot of really interesting technology that that that's out there that is just starting to kind of filter into the collection space. You know, certainly we've seen some things with machine learning, with artificial intelligence, with um, you know, with providing you know information faster, with providing higher quality information, with looking at different types of data. I think that that's going to kind of continue to refine, to be refined. And to 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 make, have more of an impact on, on how agencies operate. I don't necessarily, you know, think that there's some new awesome communication tool that's on the horizon that's gonna that, that's going to revolutionize how we talk. And I'm, I'm going to say that, and probably tomorrow morning it's going to be right there in the mm -hmm. one of my 114 Google News alerts about how there's new communication. But uh, I don't think that there's you know anything new right now on the horizon. But I do think that sort of continuing to sort of perfect what's out there now and, and really kind of hone in and, and instead of just sort of making as many calls as, as you can without considering being harassing and sending as many letters as you can without considering, you know, that you're, you know, that you're going to worry about being uh, sued for harassing somebody, that's not going to work anymore. Yeah. You know, like I think, you know, Email doesn't cost anything. So, you know, you want email to sort of replace letters and text messaging is, 
is cheaper. So you want, you know, I think there's, there are efficiencies that can be gained. And I think that's where the industry is heading right now, more so than finding some, you know, new great tool to, to help, you know, to kind of get, you know, to get in touch or to stay in touch with consumers. Right, right. We might not be FaceTiming consumers in the near future. Um, you know, but I also imagine that, you know, their preferences will drive how agencies reach out to them. You know, what, what are some of the consumer preferences that, that you're noticing and, and how consumers want to be interacted with? Well, the data is pretty clear, uh, you know, consumer, you know, consumers want to be interacted with in a way that they can sort of talk to somebody on their terms when it's convenient for them using the channel that's most convenient for them. So, you know, some people, you know, personally, sort of to kind of start with a story, you know, I, I've come to learn that people like to consume their media differently. Some people like to read, some people like to watch, some people like to listen you know, some people like to do a, a sort of a, a mix, a mix of the three. So I try and, and deliver my content across as many of those channels as possible. So I'm not limiting myself by saying, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not doing videos. So people who want to watch aren't going to, aren't going to try and, and read or listen. So I think the same is true that, that that sort of same dynamic is true for collection agencies in that they wanna be in as many channels as possible because you don't know what a consumer is gonna prefer. Some people are obviously gonna prefer text. There are some who may prefer email. There are some who are gonna prefer going to a website and having a chat with somebody. And there are some people who are gonna to wanna to, you know, talk on the phone. So I think you know, for a collection agency has to be able to um, engage with consumers in across all those channels. And it's gotta be, you know, and this is sort of maybe where the, where the, the, the industry is headed, it's gotta be two way. You know, it can't just be, I'm going to send a collect, I'm going to send a consumer a text message and then expect the consumer to go to my website or send me an email or call me back. You know, that whatever channel you want to engage, that consumer wants to engage with, you need, the agency needs to be able to engage with that consumer in a two, in sort of a back and forth fashion. And, you know, that's definitely something that's got to, that, that, that agencies are, are developing and building toward. That That's so interesting. Do, do you think that means that, you know, letters are going to be less useful or, um, you know, being able to you know, auto pay on a website might be less useful because you're not able to create that dialogue? Or do you think that those mediums do have staying power? Uh, I'm not, you know, letters, I think, have some staying power. Um, you know, there, there are people who I think will, per, you know, agencies who will prefer to send a letter, even though it costs more than sending an email. Um, just because, you know, it's sort of the way it's always been done. Mm -hmm. um, the self-pay, I think everyone wants to drive people to a website to pay. Like you'll, you'll get a collection letter and it'll mm -hmm. include a QR, a QR code or it'll include a link, go to our website, you know, and, and, and pay the balance. And some agencies are getting to that point now where you can go to a, a self-pay portal and, and negotiate, maybe have a try and negotiate with, hmm. um, a payment plan or, or a lower bat or a lower payment or something like that. That's also somewhere where the, I think the industry is headed, but I, I do think that self, you know, the self pay is, is, is sort of the, the Holy grail yeah. for, um, for a collection agency, because if I can send a letter a text message, uh, a, a voicemail, an email and get that consumer to 
to pay without having to engage, without having to incur the expense of a phone call. You know, the 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 ideal has always been the to try and to try and resolve an account on the first phone call, first call resolution. But the 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 ideal is a zero call resolution. Mm -hmm. If I don't have, if they don't have to engage in a call, then that's the ultimate the ultimate goal. I think that every agency is shooting for. Right. Right. And there is something kind of official about a letter. Like you get sure. a letter, that's where you get your credit card bill. That's where you yeah. get your taxes. And uh, when you get a letter, there's something particularly serious about it that I think, you know, perks up attention. It's it's so easy for communications with consumers in general to get lost in all mm -hmm. that they have. And if you have to rip open the envelope and unfold the letter and you see it and there's a big letterhead at the top, you know, that, that gets your attention. That motivates action. Sure. I mean, time wise, like five years ago, you looked at email like that. You know, you didn't trust anything that came via email and you trusted, you know, you trusted the mail. And now it's kind of seems like that dynamic is sort of shifting a little bit where, you know, I, you know, I get something in the mail and, and you're right. It's something I, you know, it, it's not garbage. It's something I've got to pay attention to because nobody sends sort of junk mail anymore. So if I do get something in my mailbox then it's something I do have to open. Yeah. It, it's funny. The, uh, the U S postal service has this new service they offer. Um, or maybe they've had it for a few months, maybe a year or so where they actually send you a picture mm -hmm. of the mail that's coming to you. And, uh, you know, it's like a, it's called like the U S mail preview or something like that. And, uh, can you imagine, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago, even remotely caring to see a picture of the mail that's coming to you? Like, uh, I think that's because the mail is, uh, you know, it's standing out because the, the few things you get are so much more important. Sure. I completely agree. You know, the, the amount of mail that personally I get in my, in my mailbox every day is less, but the ones I do get, you know, I, I, the ones I do get are ones that, you know, generally I have to, I, I have to open for some reason or another. Now, now, what do you think changed in 2020? Do you think that, you know, on the consumer side, um, that certain preferences change from the pandemic and everyone you know being at home or, or having to work during the pandemic, which is one of the, the hardest situations. Mm -hmm. you know, do you think that, that the way that consumers wanted to interact with, with collections agencies changed? And if so, how? I, I don't know that it necessarily changed. How I would characterize it was, I think maybe it accelerated hmm. the, the, the changes that were happening you know, we're, we were slowly starting to see more people um, want to communicate, you know, people wanted to communicate via text messaging. I think you saw more agencies sort of roll that out in 2020 than, than you had in previous years because that dynamic was changing and because so many consumers were asking for it. You know, so many consumers, I, I think that's sort of, that was the dynamic at play was that uh, agencies were, were responding to to those changes faster than they maybe have had in, in previous years. Hmm. And the the CFPB rule makes that more difficult now because you have to um, you know space out the calls within seven days. Well, that's the interesting. That's that's part one. You know, the CFPB came out with it with its with its rule, which has the call caps in it. And then in December, you had the federal communication come out. Federal Communications Commission come out with an order that changed the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, where now 
collection agencies are capped on how many times they can call a landline phone mm -hmm. if they don't have consent. And that is never something that they've had to worry about before. So there's a there's another wrinkle that goes into um, you know, sort of the, the calling strategy that agencies are going to have when that order goes into effect in June as well. And I think it's something that caught a lot of people in the industry by caught a lot of people in the industry by surprise, even though the FCC had had it out for comments and went through the entire rulemaking process. I don't think anybody really thought they were going to do anything like this. So it did catch some people off guard when they when they put it out uh, between Christmas and New Year's. Um, but I do think, you know, again, it's going to make the other channels more important and it's going to make the uh, getting a resolution on the phone. You know, every time you are on the phone with somebody now, it just it raises the stakes for that phone call to make to be a successful phone call, whether you're negotiating a payment plan, whether you're getting a payment of full or something you know, it really kind of makes, you know, every phone call significantly more important. Yes. So Mike, one of the, the details I, I, I missed about the plan is, um, you know, are you able to, you know, talk to a, a consumer and agree to call them back the next day or agree to call them in two or three days? Or is, is that off the table? Yeah, as long as the consumer, as far as, as far as I recall, as long as the consumer asks, to be called back. So if you call the consumer and the consumer says it's not a good time right now, can you call back tomorrow? You can call back tomorrow. Uh, but right. if, the, if, if I recall correctly, if the consumer doesn't say something like that, then you can't. Right. Yep. So one of the, the trends I think that we're seeing in the collection space in general is this movement toward uh, almost uh, consumer first collections or empathetic collections and uh, training communication skills and training negotiation skills. Um, it, it seems like now the importance of that um, has, has skyrocketed. What is your data telling you about, you know, are agencies focusing more on empathetic uh, communications with consumers? Absolutely. Um, and, and I wanna sort of make sure that, you know, it's not to say that they weren't empathetic before, uh, but I do think that agencies are starting to truly understand the, 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 the success that that model has over say a more uh, professional or more, not only say professional, but more, maybe slightly more aggressive type uh, of conversation. Uh, but that, you know, the, 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 between the pandemic and between just sort of where the, the industry was already heading in terms of seeing that success, I think that, you know, the, there has been a huge emphasis on empathetic collections and on you know negotiating you know on sort of training negotiation skills for collectors so that they they have the tools that they can to make those calls more successful which is something that i think they that everybody wants and that everybody that that's in the best interest for everybody right yeah i was talking to um a, a customer uh in the debt settlement space the other mm -hmm. day and uh, what he was telling me is he said, it's actually been an incredibly tough time for debt settlement. I said, really? I thought it would be you know, uh, amazing. And he said, well, the problem is that you know, consumers um, you know, feel like they have much more of a choice about you know, when to pay the debt and if to pay the debt because of the different you know, uh, leniencies that they're getting from uh, the pandemic and legislation. Um, so of course there's, there's good to that. And there's also uh, challenges to that. 
you know, do you think that we'll see a change in the consumer mentality in 2021? That's a good question. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Certainly there, there have been restrictions on certain collection activities, you know, filing lawsuits, uh, things like that, where were either put on hold or were, you know, were, were, had other restrictions put in place. And some may, you know, some still do have some in, in place in certain states. So uh, it, it's kind of sort of a patchwork at this point. Um, but I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not sure that we'll see a dramatic change in, in 2021 from what we saw at, you know, what the pandemic started last year. I do think we'll just sort of see a continuation of that. And, and that will probably, you know, for, for as long as we're sort of in the situation we're in and until things kind of get back to whatever, however close to normal they're going to get, I think that's the way things are going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So Mike, uh, one more question for you here. Uh, the, what do you think um, the debt collection agency of 2030 will <laughs> look like? What do I think the debt collection industry agency of 2030 is going to look like? Um, it's going to, I, I think it's going to look a lot smaller than it does now. Uh, I don't think that there probably will be as many collectors actually in an agency or you know working for an agency as there are now. I think technology is going to to really kind of change a lot of that. But I do think that you're, while maybe there will be fewer collectors, I think the, the IT sides of these companies are going to, to really have to grow. So, you know, agencies where they don't really have a, a, a head of IT or a, tech, a CTO or anything like that, where it's sort of like a, you know, the, the CEO who's wearing multiple hats or things like that, I think that's going to have to change. I think you're going to see more sort of more data scientists, more analysts, more analysts, more analysis being done. Uh, I think you're going to see more programmers uh, 10 years from now than you see now. Wow. Wow. Uh, Mike, thank you so much. If folks want to learn more about your work or connect with you, how can they find you? Uh, accountsrecovery.net is the website where uh, all that content that we were talking about at the start of this uh, conversation can be found. Uh, they're, 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 all the content's there, all the videos are there. There's a, a pop-up that shows up when you come to the site to sign up to get all that email we were talking about. So uh, that's the best place to, 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 get to, to get access to everything that I'm publishing. Mike, thank you so much for your time. Mark, my pleasure. Thank you. See ya.